Well, I want to say thanks to our band and to Scott Morales. Uh, they work hard every week picking songs that really reflect what we're talking about during the teaching time. And uh, today we're at the end of our message series called Finding Your Way Back to God. And uh, the topic today is this last awakening. Now, this is living. And uh, so we've been singing songs of celebration and uh, some kind of wonderful was just kind of a metaphor for what life with Jesus is like. How many of you would say that Jesus has made your life great, abundant, whatever you want to describe, uh, since you've been walking with him? Uh, how many of you have figured out it doesn't mean it's problem-free, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> hello, coming from the peanut gallery. Uh, but Jesus makes life worth living. And uh, if you've been with us since Easter, uh, we've been talking about what the journey back to God is like. And it's been exciting for me to pray with some of you and, and talk with some of you as you've been making that journey back to God. Uh, and if you're joining us for the first time, let me just give you a quick recap. Uh, we've been studying the, the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son. And uh, we've been uh, looking at five awakenings that take place in all of us when we start making the journey back to God. Uh, the first journey, uh, the first awakening is that awakening to longing when you just wake up someday and you realize there's got to be more. And in this story that Jesus told, there was a young man. He woke up one day and realized that what he was investing his life in really wasn't satisfying. There's got to be more. The second awakening is this awakening to regret where we say, I wish I could start over. And I think most of us have been there. If you're in church today, you've probably at some point said, uh, I wish I could start over. And you've made that decision to start over. The third awakening is the awakening to help where we realize we can't do this on our own. I've got to have the help of the one who created me to make this happen. Uh, the awakening we talked about two weeks ago was the awakening to love, where we realized that regardless of the shame, regardless of the regret that we carry, we realized that God loves me deeply after all. And today we're going to take a look at the, the last part of this story about the prodigal when we realize now this is living. This is what I was created to live for. And we're going to turn to Luke chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, I'll have you turn there. Uh, we'll read in just a moment. We'll pick up. Uh, and, and I want to put this story that we've been talking about the last number of weeks into the context of a couple of other stories, parables that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. So you might want to follow along if you've got your Bible with you or if you're using an electronic device. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to start at the very beginning of Luke chapter 15, and we're going to see some stories in which Jesus talks about things that are lost. How many of you have ever lost something that was valuable to you? All right? And, and that's really unsettling. This week, uh, Chris's mom and dad were staying with us, and so uh, we brought them from Idaho to Montana with us, and, and they didn't have a car. And so we, we did this, this very delicate dance of cars all week long. Uh, so I would take Chris to work in the morning and then leave a car with Judy and Tito so they'd have something to drive and do whatever they wanted to do. And I'd go to, to work, and, and this car thing was going on all week long. And, uh, and one day I came home, and nobody was home, and we always leave our dogs in the laundry room where they won't destroy things. Anybody else got destructive dogs? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and so they're always in the laundry room. They have their things. They have their kennel, their bed, all that stuff. And I came home. We've got two dogs. Came home, and there was only one dog in the laundry room. 
And I thought, oh no, uh, what, what have Judy and Tito done with my other dog? And it's my favorite dog, my little Sammy. Those of you that know my dogs, you know Sammy's my, you know, he's, he's my heart. So I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe they just missed him. Maybe they were in a hurry and they left and they didn't get Sammy in, into the laundry room. So I opened the door and I called for him and nothing, just no response. And so then I, I thought, well, Sammy, sometimes he, he likes to sleep and he gets into his bed and, and he doesn't come always when I call his name, but he always comes when I sing. So I started singing, Sammy, and doing my best Sammy singing voice, nothing. And that's when my heart started to pound. And I thought, I bet he snuck out when they went out the garage, you know, and, and I just... Oh, you know what I'm talking about. And especially with a pet, you know, they can run the neighborhoods, they can get hit by a car. All the scenarios are going through my mind. So I went outside, I started calling him, there's just nothing. And I was this close to calling Judy up and saying, what have you done with my favorite dog? Um, When I thought, I'm going to look one more place. Maybe he's in his kennel and he just won't come out. And so I went and I looked in his kennel, which is in our bedroom, and evidently, he had gone in his kennel and would not come out for them, so they just locked him in. And <laughs> that's where I found him. So then I'm doing the happy dance. My dog is safe. I've got my dog. And, and, and this is how it is, isn't it? Whenever we lose something, you know, and, and you find it. Chris is great about losing earrings. I don't know what it is. And, and every once in a while, she misplaces some earrings. One time, we had gone to visit her, her parents in Mexico, and she came home and... and no earrings. Her favorite earrings, a gift from me, they were just gone, and we figured she must have left them on the bedside stand in a hotel somewhere, and we just figured they were gone. And a year later, she found them in a pocket of some shorts that she hadn't worn since, <laughs> since the vacation, you know, and so we're all excited. And, and this is what Jesus is telling us in Luke chapter 15, is the celebration that happens whenever the lost is found. And we're going to take a look at a couple more stories this morning about that. But I want you to think back, if you've been following Christ for any length of time, I want you to think back about what it was like when you made the decision to come back to God. What happened when that event happened? For some of us, it was probably a long process. Maybe I talk to more and more people all the time that tell me, I don't have a date when I remember that I I prayed to receive Christ for the first time. So maybe for you it was a process, or, or maybe you're still in the process, I don't know. But for most of us, when we finally have that connection with God restored, there's a feeling of relief. There's a feeling of weightlessness, that something has been lifted off my back. There's a feeling of excitement. There's a feeling of joy. Uh, You know, I was thinking this week, has anybody ever thrown a party for somebody that's given their life to the Lord and and committed to Christ? Has anybody had a party thrown for you? Uh, We should. We absolutely should, because this is what Jesus says, and we're going to see it in the story today, that there is great rejoicing when we get to that point of reconnecting with God. And if you're in this process or if during the last few weeks you have reconnected to God, I want you to know that there's a party happening in heaven and and there is great joy and excitement. Your life might not be perfect. You might not clean up everything in your life, but let me tell you, your father in heaven is so excited to have you home, he can hardly contain himself. And we're gonna take a look at how that works. So if you've got your Bibles open to Luke chapter 15, I want to start right at the beginning. 
of Luke 15. And, and I want to I read together two more parables before we get back to the prodigal son story. Uh, two more parables that Jesus told. And the first one is the parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost sheep. And, and it starts in verse 4. And Jesus says this. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Do we have any sheep farmers in the room? Sheep ranchers, I should say, I guess. No, no, no sheep. Uh, what were we saying? You used to do sheep? All right. Would you go find the lost ones? You didn't just leave them to the wolves, right? Did you have wolves? coyotes all right so you'd go and find one and jesus is saying this is natural life this is what people do they leave the rest of the herd they go and find the one and and verse five says when he has found it he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders and when he arrives he will call together his friends and neighbors saying rejoice with me because i have found my lost sheep and then this is the kicker verse seven in the same way There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. There's more excitement in heaven over one person that comes to connect and reconnects to God than the rest of you that have been perfect for the last seven years, okay? That, that's hard to stomach if you've been serving God all the time and you just feel like, well, when do I get a party, right? Uh, and, and, but this is what Jesus is saying, right? It, is God is celebrating when somebody comes home. Then the next parable that he tells starts in verse 8, and this is the parable of the lost coin, and it's kind of a a very similar story. He says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Now, if you're reading in a different translation than what I have up on the screen, it it might say that a woman has 10 drachmas. The drachma was a silver coin in the Roman culture that was worth about a day's wage. So it was an important silver coin. It wasn't like a quarter, okay? If you make $15 an hour, a day's wage would be about 120 bucks. And so imagine having some silver coins. Each one is worth 120 bucks, and you lost one. What would you do? You'd, you'd start looking, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd probably freak out just a little bit because that's, a, that's really, really valuable. And Jesus says, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. And again, there's a kicker in verse 10. Jesus says, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. If you have found your way back to God, there's a party going on in heaven, and and there should be a party going on in your whole neighborhood because you've reconnected to God. This is life. This is what life is supposed to be like when you reconnect to God. Now, the next story is the one that we've been talking about for the last five or six weeks, the story of the prodigal son. And if you haven't been with us, I'll just summarize it really quickly. It's about a young man who comes to his father and he says, Dad, I don't care if you're dead or alive. I just want my inheritance now. And his dad, although I'm sure he was very insulted, gave this son half of his estate. And the son went out and Jesus says he went out and spent it on wild living. 
And eventually, I, I imagine probably pretty quickly, all of the money ran out. And at the same time, a famine swept through the land. We talked about scraping bottom. This is what it feels like when all of a sudden all of your resources run out. You realized you weren't wisely living, uh, but you've been squandering everything in your life, and you have this huge wake-up call. This is what happened to this lost son. And so he hired himself out to a pig farmer. He got so hungry that he wanted to eat the pig slop. And when he came to his senses, Jesus said, he said to himself, I'm going to go home and I'm going to see if my dad will hire me. Because even the servants that my dad employs are faring better than I am. And so he went home and a couple of weeks ago we talked about how that reunion was and I'm sure the son must have been very nervous and kind of scared. But when he got home, his dad ran to him His dad hugged him. His dad kissed him over and over and over. And then he called his servants and said, listen, go and kill that calf that we've been saving for a party. We're going to celebrate because my son has come home. And so uh, we're going to pick up the story in verse 22, if you've got your Bibles open. Here's the rest of the story or part of the rest of the story at this point. Verse 22. Jesus said that the father said to the servants, quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. And meanwhile, verse 25, the older son was in the fields working and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf and we are celebrating because of his safe return. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the first thing I want you to write down. If you have found your way back to God, it's time to celebrate. If you've found your way back to God, it is time to celebrate. This is a good thing. It's time to put the regret behind you. It's time to put all of the shame that you've been carrying behind you. It's time to step out into the life that God wants for you. And it's time to really start living. And today, what I want to do as we wrap up this last message in this series is I want to talk about what that life looks like and how to stay connected to God. And and so the next line in your notes is this. If you found your way back to God, you need to stay connected. You need to stay connected. And I'm going to share with you this morning three strategies to stay connected. If you found your way back, there's three things you need in your life consistently to stay connected to God. Uh, Before I jump into this, I just want to mention uh, next week we're going to be launching back into our Romans study. We started Romans way back last September, and so we've taken uh, about 12 weeks uh, vacation from Romans, but next week we're going to start launching into Romans chapter 9. If you know Romans, you know that 9, 10, and 11 are some tough chapters, but we're going to pick those apart, and we're going to mine it, and we're going to learn all about choice. So that's coming up uh, starting next week. I hope you'll be with us. Next week is Memorial Day weekend, so uh, if you're gone, you can always listen to the podcast. All right, three ways to stay connected to God. You ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. All right. Turn to your other neighbor and say, wake up. 
All right. Here's the first way to stay connected to God. You need to make a weekly date. You need to make a weekly date with God. If you want to stay connected to God, friends, you need to make a date to attend church every week. You need to make a date to attend church every week. I'm currently reading a book by Bill Hybels that's called Simplify. It's a brand new book, and it's challenging me deeply about how I use my time. And he's got just a little section in this book about making a date with God. And he was telling in this book how quite often he'll talk to somebody that's struggling spiritually. They're just, they're, they're, they're just making big mistakes. They're, they're not feeling connected to God. They're, they're doing things they know they shouldn't, and they're just feeling this distance between God and he'll say well show me your calendar what's on your calendar for Sundays and they'll say well nothing is on my calendar for Sundays and he said well why isn't church on your calendar on Sunday and and I I just want to reflect that out to you as well you need to have a weekly date with God in which you're connecting with him with your church family And you might ask why. Why is every week church attendance important? Well, there's a number of reasons, and I didn't put this in your notes, but you could jot these down if you want to. You need to celebrate. Uh, We're talking today about celebrating with people who have reconnected to God. Every Sunday, you need to have a time of celebration. Did you know that, that many Bible scholars believe that celebration is actually a spiritual discipline? If you look at the Old Testament and you look at the feasts and the festivals, uh, God planned for us to be people who celebrate regularly. And church, every Sunday is a time to celebrate. You need to worship. This is number two. You need a weekly time of worship. And of course, you can worship in your car when you listen to K-Love. You can worship out in the woods. But there's something powerful and spiritually connecting when you're worshiping with other believers. And it needs to be a part of your every week date with God. You need to learn. Listen, I work hard every week to make sure there's something for you to take home that will help you grow in your connection with God. And, and you don't need to come for me. I'm, I'm not insulted if you're not here. But listen, you need to be in a regular growth pattern. And it happens when you're learning regularly. And if you have something on your calendar every week that says, I'm going to be there, and you have, listen, on, on my alarm clock, my alarm is set for the same time every week on Sunday mornings. And it goes off. And, and it's on my phone. So it's right by my bed, and it goes off at 5.30 a.m a.m. every Sunday morning. And, and, and if you have a hard time getting up on Sunday mornings, set an alarm that you never turn off and make a date with God because you need to learn. You need encouragement. This would be number four. Uh, when you come to church, you're going to find people that are going to encourage you, that are going to build you up, that are going to say, listen, you're doing well. Keep going. Keep running the race. You're going to find people that say, I know you're struggling, but you can do this. Let me pray with you. These are all the things that happen regularly every week at church. Number five, you know this one. You need to come to church because you need a hug. Yeah. And, and you need to be here. Uh, One of the things, one of the studies Chris and I read years ago was that human beings, I don't even remember the number, but human beings need something like 15 significant touches every day to stay emotionally healthy. 
Now, if you're a single person, I would wager you're not getting 15 significant touches a day. And this is a place... (laughs) (laughs) And this is a place you can come and get a hug. You know what I'm saying? And if you've got a bubble and you don't want to be hugged, we won't violate that. But you know what? You probably need a hug if your bubble is that big. And... uh, and it's important, and, and, and it's not just about plugging your weekly spiritual card. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making a date with God. Every week you ought to be in church. All right, that's my soapbox for the day. Thank you for the amen, Stan. Stan's in church every Sunday. He wants to see you here. Here's number two. Number two is you need to make a daily date. You don't just need a weekly date, but you need a daily date with God. If you want to stay connected to God, you need to spend time with God every single day. And there's a number of ways you can do this. I'm not going to beat this horse to death because I just taught on this a few months ago. Uh, But you need to be reading your Bible every day. You need to pray every day. There's a spiritual habit called meditation. It's not the same thing as, as uh, Buddhists and Hindus do where you just say a, a nonsense word for an hour, but it's, it's filling your mind with God's word, meditation. It's something you can do every day that connects you with God. There's a spiritual habit called solitude that is very valuable. And I taught on these habits on March 22nd, and I'm telling you this specifically because if you weren't here for that teaching, you could listen to the podcast on our website, March 22nd, and and the message title was The Habits of a Servant Leader. And we had little handout cards. Pam, did you get those? Is Pam here? Did you get those cards made? You're a rock star. I love my assistant. Um, so if you missed that particular, that particular message, I had handouts for you. Uh, I think there were four or five cards of different daily habits you can make to reconnect with God every day for your daily date. They're back there if you want to pick those up if you didn't get them on March 22nd. Uh, but make sure that you're having a daily date with God. This is how you stay connected. And then number three, uh, this is so important. Number three If you want to stay connected to God, you need to join a group. You need to join a group. I am 52 years old, and I am rediscovering the value of groups in my life. Um, I've always believed in groups. I've always been a part of small groups. But I'm going deeper and deeper because I have discovered that groups are significant in helping me grow uh, in a number of different areas. I've been meeting with an accountability partner for the last year. And, and Dean Siskoyas and I meet every Tuesday and we, we ask each other hard questions and we pray together and we share prayer requests and it's helping to keep me spiritually healthy. And you know what? Uh, sometimes it's hard. I, sometimes I don't want to answer the questions that he asks me and it makes me squirm, but it motivates me to stay spiritually happy, uh, happy, yes, and healthy. It helps me stay connected to God because I'm accountable to someone. Uh, small groups has always been uh, an important ministry to connect and, and, and we're just starting them up. If you've never been to a group or if this isn't a regular habit in your life, let me tell you, it can be life changing. Um, I want to ask uh, the calls to come on up. Lori, would you be willing to share with us just a little bit too? If I put you on the spot? Would you? All right. Yeah. These are three people. I'll come down to you guys. 
these are three people. I wasn't sure, Lori, if you were. I, I didn't catch you earlier, so I'm sorry I didn't give you any warning. Um, let me start with you. <laughs> You're going to hate me forever. These are three people that have been in our uh, small group for newcomers. We started in January or February, and we, this is a group that just, that just clicked. Sometimes we've had groups that were kind of tough to get going, but this group just clicked. And I remember one of the times when we, Chris and I closed the door when the last person left, and we said, tonight something shifted in the spiritual realm. And Lori, it, it was the night that you shared uh, what was happening in your life, and, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I'm a bad pastor. <laughs> Do you, mind, do you mind sharing with people uh, what that event was and, and what's going on still? Um, I'm going through cancer, and um, it was a journey that um, I didn't think would happen to me because I felt like I'd already faced um, hardships already. We lost our son when he was 10, so I kind of figured I'd already paid <clears throat> my penance and all that good type of stuff, and... Um, I gave my life to God after being angry at him for taking our son away and kind of went on my own um, rebellious path and um, came back realizing that um, I can't do anything without God. Mm -hmm. And um, ironically, cancer has actually, as crazy as it sounds, has been a blessing to me because it has brought so many amazing people into my life and has opened up my eyes to what's really important. And I feel in some ways that I am um, further along in the journey than some people are because of the hardships. And I just shared part of that with our group. Yeah. And so it, it was amazing because, Lori, you, you moved back to Bozeman. You had been a connector years ago, but you really I didn't was. know anybody here when no, you came back. No. Joined a group. And uh, the group was there kind of like a safety net. It was. When this happened to you, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Um, in fact, in many ways, um, you, and you know who you are, are family to me. And um, in more ways than you even realize. And um, I just am so grateful to have such amazing people be loving, supportive, kind, thoughtful, Yada yada yada. There's just so many things. Mm -hmm. So Sue, would you would you share a little bit? You and some of our other group members. As soon as Lori shared, mm -hmm. it just lit a fire into you. Would you right. would you share a little bit about what what happened in well, your in your okay. brain and in your heart? Well, the first um, I had missed the first two weeks of the small group, and I was really nervous about going. Anyway, um, I have a, a hard time meeting people and, and making friends, and so the the. Um, I wasn't really excited about coming because <laughs> I, you know, I had missed the first two, so I felt like everybody's connected and I'm not. And uh, that was the night, actually, that, that Lori shared that yeah. um, she found out that she'd had breast cancer. And it was, I, I've never had anything happen where it was just like, I knew immediately that God had planned all, that Lori and I were there that night at that time, and this is what was going on because we were meant to be part of each other's life. Mm -hmm. I mean... She's become one of the best friends I've ever had. And she's ever. like, fam yeah, we're and family. She's, I actually, we're yeah, we're I, um, <laughs> I, I'm just can't say enough. And you didn't even, about you didn't her. even know each other I'd never five months ago. No, yeah. That night. no, yeah. 
And and so tell me a little bit about uh, how how you've supported Lori, how the how the others in the group have supported Lori, and uh, tell us about yesterday. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we we. Um, you know, everybody had signed up so that if she needed meals, if she needed rides, anything that was needed, you know, there were a group of people that were willing to do that. And um, one night, Steve and I, we'd done the race for the cure before because Steve's lost his mom to breast cancer and I lost my aunt. And so we thought, wouldn't it be fun if we sponsor a group and then we get to see if anybody in our small group wants to go and Yesterday, that's what we did. We did the race for the cure in the pouring rain. Yep. Um, it was awesome. And how many group awesome. members were there? Well, Chris and, and Landon and the boys. Yeah, like Brian. <laughs> and Scott and Shree yeah. and Shelly. And um, then Lori and, and Jeff and Charlie were there. And Steve showed me pictures, and, yeah, and it and looks awesome. Pictures, and it was, it was great. And then we all got together and had lunch afterwards. And it was just such a bonding thing that you can have with a small group that... When we went to the small group, other than Scott and Shree, I'd never seen anybody there, and it's not like they all just walked into the church the day before. Right. But I hadn't actually seen anybody. (laughs) And when our small group semester came to an end, you were some of the ones that were like, no! (laughs) So we'll be going through this summer. So would you give these three a hand? (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm sorry, Lori, for putting you on the spot. You're fine. So you need a weekly date with God, you need a daily date with God, you need a group, and uh, one of the things I want you to know is uh, here at Connect, we're so serious about small groups, and, and over the summertime, we know that everybody's vacationing, you're, you're doing a lot of stuff, you're kind of hit and miss, and so all of our groups for the summer are, are very uh, easy to come and go from. There's not like a structured Bible study in any of them that if you miss a week, you're going you're gonna to feel like you're an outsider. It's nothing like that. But they're, they're groups that are, are, are focused on developing friendships. Uh, you might find your new best friend in a group, and you might not, but you're going to put yourself in the place where you can, you can be spiritually challenged and spiritually kept alive. Does that make sense? All right, sign up for a group. Did you get the message? You know what I'm saying? One last thing. One last thing, and then we're going to close this message series down. One last challenge. I want to challenge you today. Don't be this guy. Don't be this guy. I want to finish off the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son. Verse 28 says, the older brother was angry. Now remember, the older brother has just come home. He's seen the party. He knows his brother has come home. He knows his, fa- his, his brother has been squandering the family wealth. And the brother is ticked off. The brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And so his father came out and begged him. But he replied, now listen to his words, all these years... I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you asked me to do. What's he saying? I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian. I'm an exemplary connector. I've always done things right. And he said, in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Say the word me. Now say it like the brother was saying it. Me. (laughs) Right? Don't Don't we sound like that sometimes? 
Yet when this, now, now look at these words, I love this. Yet when this son of yours came back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fanned calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son. You see, the father loves even, even the, the stinky ones, right? Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And this is what I want you to know. We're putting this all into context as we wrap up this message series. Jesus told these three stories, the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the story of the lost son. He told all these stories to confront self-impressed, grumpy, religious people. And I just want to throw out a challenge. Don't be that guy. Self-impressed, grumpy, religious people. I want to rewind to the very beginning of Luke chapter 15, and I want to read the first three verses because this puts everything into context. It says that tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. Can I just read that one more time? Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Who did Jesus teach? Notorious sinners. Connect Church ought to be full of notorious sinners. Connect Church ought to be full of the people that every other church in town won't accept because that's who Jesus reached out to. Look what, look what happened when these people filled, filled his teaching auditoriums. It says, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with sinful people, even eating with them. So he told them these three stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. What's the big idea? There's a party in heaven when one of those notorious sinners comes and reconnects to God and finds their way home. We've got to keep that in our minds. It's all about the mission, friends. The mission is helping people reconnect to God. And if we become grumpy, self-impressed, religious people, we can't stay on mission. We've got to keep our eyes open for the people that are desperately trying to find their way back to God and celebrate when they finally make a reconnection. Let me tell you, it's messy. Connect Church has been messy the last seven years. Those of you that have been with us, you know it's true, right? It's because notorious sinners take some time to clean themselves up. And it's okay. We'll walk with you. We'll, we'll be right beside you. We'll hold your hand. We'll give you a hug. We'll kick you in the backside when we need to. Um, but we'll love you all the way back to God. Next steps. Just like we've done each week of this series, there's a prayer and if you're in this process, if you found your way home to God, here's the prayer as we wrap this series up. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the confidence that I can live a brand new life. And then again, if you're reading the book that we've been going through, there's, there's uh, journaling questions in the back of the book and we'll be posting those on our Facebook page. And uh, I, I hope that this has been life-changing for you if you've been making the journey back to God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Jesus, thank you for telling these stories that we've been studying the last six weeks. 
And Lord, thank you for loving each one of us so deeply that Jesus, you died to pay the penalty of our sins. And Jesus, you rose again to conquer the power of hell that has kept so many of us enslaved. Lord, as we just take a moment to quiet our spirits and to turn to you this morning, I pray that you will change us from the inside out. And Lord, that all of those things that are yet unrepented of, those things that are still causing us to uh, miss the mark, Jesus, will you forgive us? Will you change us? And will you empower us by your Holy Spirit living in us to walk wholeheartedly after you? And Lord, help us to keep our eyes on the mission and keep loving people that are on the journey. Thank you, Lord.